tonight, as we have been doing, we are going to work off of this morning's message. We're going to build a little bit in the book of Jude. If you want to turn there real quick, I want to reference a couple of things that we're going to get to when we get to the end of the book and its study, uh, and we're going to get to in the middle a lot. But to help guide our teaching and discussion tonight, we really want to uh, look at some of this uh, today. In uh, verse what do I want to say, four. There's one word that I want to talk about. Uh, it seems like we're doing one word at a time throughout Jude anyway, so I might as well pick out one word. And uh, actually it's two, but I'm going to pick out one of them. And that is, oh, that's not going to work. Not, don't want to use that one again. Let's see here. That word is Unnoticed. Unnoticed. The things go unnoticed. And that's troublesome when things go unnoticed in our Christian life. And that's when we start to lose the peace of God that we talked about this morning. That we have unnoticed things that creep in and start taking things away. And take away our thoughts of God, our direction toward God. And they just come in and they are... Subtle. That word subtle simply means that they aren't easily pointed at. We, we don't easily identify them as things that are robbing us of our Christian walk and our Christian vitality, our, our liveliness, that we start to um, slip. And this is a term that's going to be used, we're going to reference tonight as well out of Hebrews, um, that these things that there are lots of terms and biblical patterns, and our modern day, we call it backsliding. Um, but that's not a biblical term. We want to hand, use biblical terms for that. All right. And so here in verse 4, we have this thing that there was something going on unnoticed in the church that was a great danger. And in fact, it becomes a danger in every Christian's life when we allow these days to come in unnoticed. Uh, it says they creep in, and we're going to talk a lot about that in a month and a half or so when I get back from Israel. Um, but it'll probably be until I get back to, from Israel before we get chapter, to verse 4. So um, because we have this Easter in there, we have the lost things coming, uh, and I think I'll have one Sunday after that before we leave for that, right? Two? Maybe two weeks. I might get to verse 4 before we go. I don't know. So... Um, we're going to get to this, we're going to spend a lot of time on it, but in correlation with this morning's message about what robs us of our peace. Now remember, we had two different peace that we've been talking about. We have peace with God. That is that no longer are we at enmity or at war with God. That there has been a peace accomplished, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ, that he brings us into a peace relationship with God. Instead of God being against us, he's for us. Instead of us being his enemy, we are his followers. We are his disciples. Instead of um, him getting ready to pour out his wrath of judgment on us, he is wanting to pour out his blessings on us, his goodness, his mercy, his kindness, his love, uh, and not just for a season, but into eternity. And that's peace with God. And we accomplish that by believing in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And then this morning we talked about peace of God that should be in our life. 
And this is what we're talking about being robbed of the, within the church. That we are allowing the peace of God to be robbed from us and that is happening in an unnoticed fashion. That it just kind of gradually dissipates. It just gradually disappears and then pretty soon we're not walking with God at all. Um, and uh, this is something that's very real and happens in this church. It happens in every church. I've never been involved in any church that it didn't happen in. Uh, and every Christian has to be at, on guard for this to happen. And that's what the armor of God is all about, is to stand so that you do not slide or slip or drift is one of the words that's going to be used. And so we're going to talk about the peace of God. Remember, Jude, in verse 2, says, I want peace to be multiplied to you. So we want this multiplied, we want this multiplied. That's a, that's a times table, right? Okay. It's not Xing it out, it's timesing it. So we want peace with God can be, can be multiplied. It's not just a one-time thing, and, okay, I got that, and now um, I move on. But rather, it is something that we continually develop is further peace with God. And that's maturity. And so we come into greater and greater intimacy with God, and we realize just how far this goes. That, I mean, I'm his child. I'm a joint heir of Jesus Christ. I have all these privileges and blessings and all this access because I have complete peace with God. There's nothing between my soul and the Savior, is the song, Right? There's nothing between us. There's no wall. There's no, there's no attitude. There's no sin. There, there's nothing between us. And we need to discover that. That's part of the multiplication. But we also need to be multiplying the peace of God. And that's what we talked more about this morning. So I talked about the positive aspects. So just quick review. See if you're paying attention to get this morning. What were the three positive things you're supposed to do to keep and to multiply the peace of God in your life. Pray. Now, not now. I didn't really get a chance to talk about this this morning, but this is not just religious activity. Um, this is about conversation. This is about intimate engagement with God, of recognizing that he is there. There's nothing you're engaging in where he is not an observer. Uh, and so that's why when the Bible says pray without ceasing, they're not talking about a religious activity where you sit down, you have to be on your knees and bow your head, close your eyes, and fold your hands. Okay, we do that with children, you know, at the dinner table or in a church service or Sunday school. Um, but prayer is a lot bigger than that and broader than that. It's about engaging God, recognizing that he is intimate. He is right there. Because I have peace with God, I can pray anytime, anywhere, about anything, and I'm supposed to. But what is the key to this prayer? Thanksgiving. You must pray with thanksgiving if you want the peace of God. And that's even being thankful for bad things happening to you. Knowing that God has a purpose in them. And that's why it says, count it all joy when you fall into various troubles, trials, tribulations. Um, these guys are getting beat up. Their families are getting slaughtered. They are getting imprisoned. Um, they're losing everything. And they're still rejoicing in the Lord because they're full of thanksgiving. Because they know 
that those are the circumstances of this world and it's the evidence that they are walking with God because if the world hates Jesus, they should hate me. So I should have thanksgiving, not just over the good things that happen, but over the troubles that come my way because they draw me to God. Maybe more so than all the good things that happen. The evidence that I see, uh, especially in the, in the uh, parable of the soils and the seed where the sower throws the seed out, um, is that one of the things that trials and tribulations have is they purify us and they identify who's the real deal and who's not. Who can endure fiery trials? Who can endure that? Who can endure the evil one coming against us? Well, that's to build your confidence that I, I have endured. And by God's grace and mercy, his help, we can endure it, so we, are, we should be thankful. Every Thanksgiving service that we've ever had, people stand up and tell you what they're thankful. I don't know that I've ever had anyone stand up and say, well, I'm so thankful I've had a really hard year. I'm thankful I lost my job. Well, Joyce did stand up and say she was thankful she lost her job that one year when she got fired. Because um, that was a great year. I had the whole summer off. It was wonderful. Um, we talked about that this week, in fact. So we, our prayer is about reminding ourselves that we have peace with God. What's the second thing? We're going to meditate on what? What is true, noble, just, lovely, good, report. Yeah, we forgot pure. Pure, virtuous, and praiseworthy, yeah. So you're going to study on those things, okay? So this is going to fill our mind, which means we have to put those things into our mind to meditate on. Cannot meditate on what is not there. So you've got to be in an environment like this and many other environments. Church isn't the only place you can find these things. But you've got to place yourself in an environment where you're hearing the truth, you're hearing noble ideas and seeing them and learning them of just things, of lovely things, of good report, and that's just not pretty. That's, uh, that, that's encompassing a lot more of pure things, virtuous things, and praiseworthy things that you're going to be in a place and surround yourself with influences and things you hear, things you see, what you read, that is going to enable you to have some content to meditate on these things. And then what's the third step? You pray to establish that. You meditate on these things. What's the third positive thing? You do it. You do it. You do these things. You let these things influence your actions. You cannot say that you are engaging your mind and thinking of good things and then go out and do bad things. You need to do these pure things. You need to do these true things, these noble things, these just things, these lovely things, these virtuous things. You've got to do them. You're not going to be able to do them unless you are thinking about them. And you're not going to think about them if your mind isn't on your relationship with God that you that you reconnect with in active prayer, that you're talking with God. You're acknowledging that he's your father, he's intimate, he cares, he's, he's present. And so it's going to influence your thinking, what you're 
doing as well. And so this is how, in Philippians 4, the peace of God comes to you. So when Jude says, may the peace of God be multiplied, he would love to get into the things that we talked about this morning. He would love to talk about these things. But we find out in verse 3, he doesn't get to. He wants to talk about these things. And I did this morning. I took the time to walk through from Philippians 4, the positive aspects. But what is Jude concerned about? Why can't he talk about all these? Why doesn't he take any time to talk about how peace is multiplied to you? He had to write about what? Things that were unnoticed that got in the way. Which tells you something. What's the priority here? He wants to talk to you about the good parts of your salvation. That's what his intent was. But then he heard what was going on there. And he says, oh, I can't do that. I have to write about this. Which tells you what? There's something in the way. Before we can get to doing this, we have to do something else. Yes, in the Christian walk, before you're going to pray effectively, before you're going to meditate effectively, before you're going to live it effectively, something else has to happen. We want to do that tonight. What has to happen? You have to have the peace with God. And so he's, talking, he's writing to Christians. I'm saying now that you have that, there's something in her here that came in unnoticed that was disrupting this. He would have liked to have talked about this, but instead he has to talk about the stuff that comes in unnoticed and saying, you've got to get rid of this stuff. You've got to be on the alert. You've got to be aware. You cannot fall asleep at the wheel. You've got to be aware that there is some bad stuff coming into the church and you aren't aware because they're just creeping in. And you don't notice them until all of a sudden they're in full bloom. And that's what the whole book is about. We're going to be investigating some of those areas. And some of them are going to be alarming to you where this kind of error creeps into a church. Because it's from within, it's from without, and it's from, you name it. You, you name the avenue by which knowledge and information comes to you, and it is, it is a poison stream Satan has poisoned those streams of knowledge coming to you from the public school system, private school system, parochial school system, pick the school system, homeschool system, depending upon what curriculum you're using. Don't think every homeschool is the answer to everything because some of those are just as, as everything else, sometimes worse. So pick any avenue, and that's what I want to talk about. How does this happen unnoticed and where are they? Now, he's going to identify false teachers. We're going to go there in a little while, um, in about a month, two months. Um, we're going to be looking at the specific examples he gives us and investigating that. But in reference to the peace of God that is lacking in our life, why don't I feel at peace? I talked about those things that rob you of that that 
that uh, negate these things that are in their place. There's something in, in our life that's in place of prayer with thanksgiving. There's something in our life that's in place of meditating on this stuff, There's, and therefore we don't do that which we should do. Or we do it for all the wrong reasons. We go to church, why? Well, we always go to church. Well, that's really a lousy reason. I mean, if there's a reason, and it's okay to do it every now and then because you should, but hopefully every more than every now and then, hopefully the norm for you is that it's something you look forward to doing. Because you've been thinking and meditating on these things, and you have an active, thankful relationship with God, you want to develop that and to build on it, to multiply it. Work on your multiplier. Here's an opportunity to multiply these. And so I want to look forward to it. Here's a chance I can multiply my peace with God and my, the peace of God in me. But there are things that are out there that are robbing you. I referenced a few this morning. I want us to really uncover them tonight. So I'm going to erase this stuff because that's not normally what most Christians, let alone the world, are meditating on. So what are they meditating on? I want us to really just brainstorm a little bit and kind of come up with some radical things of where we're getting our information, our philosophy of life, our, what inputs are you getting, where are they coming from, and what are they trying to tell you, okay, that are largely unnoticed by the Christian community. Now, I picked one this morning, so let's just start there. I'll help you get, get it started. What did I say this morning? I just picked one. The media. Okay? I call it Hollywood and Company. All right? So Hollywood. I'll just put Hollywood. There's a lot of other media out there, um, but frankly, most of your news channels are now Hollywood as well. They're really not there to inform you. They're there to teach you, to train you in a way of thinking. I have to tell you a quote that I heard today. I heard it during Sunday school. What are you not supposed to do if you're a Mormon? Don't think. You don't remember? Didn't you read that this morning during Sunday school? Once the prophet of the Mormon church says something, all thinking about it stops. You're not allowed to think about it. Okay, and that's really the influence of the media. You know, the news agencies don't want you to think. That's their job to think for you. Okay, but let's talk about the media. How do they do it in an unnoticed fashion? What are they doing? Oh, they've been on that for a long, long, long time. So, Okay, and this I want you to understand. He used a phrase that's really important. Get used to it. When television first came out, what could they not show? 
Just name a few things. You could not have married couple even in a bed, fully clothed, in the same bed. So Dick Van Dyke and his wife had twin beds in their bedroom. Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz had twin beds in their bedroom because it was, a, it was, they was not allowed to have a man and a woman even sit on the edge of the bed together, of the same bed. All violence was off screen. What does that mean? You knew it was happening. You might have heard something, but you never saw the violence happen. It was all off screen. No on screen violence at all. Even war movies. <laughs> okay? All right. What was the big groundbreaking show of language? Movie. Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind was, Christian community was so up in arms about that movie because of one word. Yes. Yeah. How do we tolerate that kind of language and now compare that to what we have now? So, we go from from uh, uh, what do we want to say? We want to see it. Um, it you have gradual degeneration. Very gradually, we're going to introduce one word. Now we're going to introduce, I remember the shocking episode that everyone talked about, I think when I was in college, maybe I was not just out of college, where two women kissed on a TV show. And it was shocking. Woo! And, and, the, and everyone was up in arms, and the Christian community was going to, um, uh, what is it when you don't shop with somebody? You're going to boycott all the advertisers for that show because they had two women, and it was huge, huge, huge. Is it a big deal now? Yes. Now you cannot have a show without having a homosexual aspect of it. You can't have one. I challenge you to find one that doesn't have one. And so you have this very gradual, the church did notice, but the gradual introduction of degenerate themes is there. And so um, let's talk about that breaking down of the peace of God, of our prayer with thanksgiving, of meditation. What about thanksgiving? How does the media attack being thankful? The whole purpose of TV was huh? You deserve this. You need this. Johnny has one. Your neighbors expect you to have that, and that robs you of contentment. The whole purpose of TV is to sell you stuff. Is it not? What does the Bible say? Godliness with contentment is great joy. So where's our contentment? So we have gradual degeneration, unnoticed, seemingly. And now we're like, we hear the our children, are, our children are exposed to the full gamut of curse words. And if you don't think so, go walk on the 
school playground, not high school playground. Walk on the elementary school playground and listen. There is not a curse word they don't know. They're like sailors back when I was a child. Did that happen overnight? No, it happened very gradually. And we let these words be introduced to our children's lives earlier and earlier and earlier, and they became normative. We got used to it. And then all along the way, what we're doing because of that is we're getting less and less of the peace of God in our life. And we're wondering why. Well, what are you thinking about? What are you meditating on? Degenerateness. You're not using terms like hell and God and, and Jesus in right ways. So when you hear the word Jesus, you're just thinking somebody's cursing instead of calling on a Savior. When you hear about hell, you just mean somebody's upset a little bit or he's a good guy. Instead of thinking this is a place of destruction, of judgment. And we are taking biblical terms and turning them from their purpose to meditate on what is right, just, pure, holy, to cursing. And so when we get to verse 4, it says they take things that are godly and make them ungodly. That's what we have been introduced to. So what other influences are? That's the influence I give you. What other input? Where else are you getting your daily data to think about that fills your mind? Because what fills your mind is going to influence whether or not you have the peace of God or not in your life. What other influences? Or is that the main one? Is this the main overwhelming one? Should we just keep exploring media? It's all media, right? Music technically does count as media, but I'm going to put it down separately. I'm going to put music. And I'm going to put your iPhone, your iGod, your iGods. I'll put that down just to represent all phones. I know they're not all Mac-oriented or Apple-oriented, but the, the whole idea... What are they getting input-wise from those? What do you get from your phones? I, I don't have one. I don't use one. I see my children on them. What are you getting out of it? What kind of news? Uh, you're still back here in news. You think most of the uh, young adults are using it for a news source? You're just too old. If you're getting news from your phone, you're, get, you're just showing how old you're getting. Another one for me is just my work environment. Yeah. I nurse a lot, and so I have a lot of people that are in All right. And just like the depressing... <laughs> it does, exactly. So what do you hear at work? What's the input? Complaining, all right. All right, they are, they're lazy. 
Laziness is just, I want to get paid. I just don't want to do any work for that pay. You know, how can they ask me to work more? Okay, what else are you hearing at work? All right, you hear the same language, so you hear cursing. Complaining is different than Thanksgiving, isn't it? It's the opposite. Okay, you're also hearing how much more they deserve. I deserve more. Ah. <laughs> um, what, what is it? Um, huh? I hear you. I need one person at a time to say something instead of all of you all at once. Pride. This is why I have gray in my beard. I raised with these two. Three, talking. All supper table, three women talking. Simultaneously. And I have to follow each of the conversations as they get grumpy. All right, so they're bragging. They're, they're, they're prideful. Look at me, I'm wonderful, blah, blah, blah. And that's top down, okay? What else going on at work? Yes. Okay, and I'm going to put this under the bragging category. What are they bragging about? Sin. I got drunk. Oh, we have we won. <laughs> All right, gossip is going on. And uh, you know what takes for gossip to happen? It just needs someone to listen. You don't even have to say a word. If you're listening... You are part of gossip. Without a listener, gossip is meaningless. So don't say, I never share gossip, but I listen to it all. You are guilty. Ben, you're not at work, so I don't think you know. Lying. lying. Well, that's mostly under bragging, too, sometimes. But yeah, you're going to hear a lot of lying. I'll put it down there. So you exposed all this at work. What do you do? Quit your job? Pray for patience. Pray for patience. You go back to praying. <laughs> there you go, with thanksgiving. <laughs> All right. Sometimes you just need to get away. Sometimes you just need to say, um, I'm not going to listen to that um, and cut people off. I don't need to hear that. I don't need to hear that. I don't need to hear that. And yes, you might get some angriness or who do you think you're better than me? I'm just, I don't need to hear that. And, um, and I've had a couple occasions with some relatives of mine. I remember um, my brother-in-law, they were, we were remodeling our house and he had a guy come in uh, who was a mason laying block, brick, for the fireplace. And uh, his son was there, who was very young at the time, and, and the guy was just every other word. He, like many construction workers, they only know how to talk with curse words. And he's like, hey, this is my, my children are here. Don't be cursing like that. Well, that's, I understand that, but there's a better reason to say, let's not be cursing here, right? Than just my children, don't, my children don't need to hear that. And that was the attitude 30 years ago. That was, you don't curse in front of women or children. 
Now it's the women and children who curse you out. Okay, that's, but that happened unnoticed over 30 years. That didn't happen overnight. That happened unnoticed over 30 years. Because we started meditating on this kind of stuff. Where did we get the ideas that this was socially right? That this was just? That this was noble? I love the word noble there. Yeah, none of this is professional. None of this works, and none of this enhances the work environment. None of it helps. All of it does something to work. It l drops work. It, it, it makes it less productive. The more of this you're going to have, the less productive your workplace will be. Every employer knows it. Yes, even nurses have their scripts, and doctors, when you come into the visit, have scripts that they have to say just like this, and just like this, and just like this, because it's getting to the point that people are ignorant of what is polite. How did we get there? How did we get to here? This was not the way workplaces were 30 years ago. You would never be allowed to do this stuff. You would be fired, you'd be canned so fast, it would make your head spin if you walked into work and did this. Right, Bill? When we were kids. Not, oh, that's right, you were in the Navy. See, that's part of the problem was the Navy. It was totally different. But when you were in the workforce, oh, yeah, you, 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 they heard you curse in McDonald's back in the kitchen because you splashed some fry grease on you and burned yourself. You were done. No curse word comes from back there to be heard by any patron. You are fired the day it happens, the moment it happens. Okay, that's what it was like. Right. Trying to upsell. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's still there. Yeah, I know, but I mean, that was one of the things that they were trying to train you on to get people to want more. I just want us to notice that this environment didn't happen overnight. It comes in unnoticed, and we seldom realize its effect on us. Do you realize its effect on you? What you're watching in your phone, on your TV, the movies, they drive your mind, your thinking. What you put in is what you meditate on. And when you, that's why you need to turn it off. You need to not listen. You need to put it in its place. You need to discard it. I mean, we're all susceptible to this. And within the church, it's the same way. We had a couple in this church early on, very early on, like when we we're still over at Lava Land, and that gal had pretty much convinced my wife that she has the hardest life in, her, in, the, in the whole planet, living with someone like me. 
how can you live with him? And she heard that time and time and time again until it started that she thought, yeah, how do I live with him? And I was like, what is going on? So yes, even in the church it can happen by who we're listening to. You're going to listen to the person that's complaining? If they're complaining, I don't care what it's about, whether the seats are too soft, too hard, too hot, too cold, the pastor's too long, too short, too loud, too quiet. If all you hear from them, shut it off. Walk away. Show a little mercy to them. Say, that's wrong. You should stop complaining. So you can show the mercy. Remember, that whole mercy thing is there in place too. But take care of it. It happens in church too. And we are often not aware. In our home, it's happening. It is so easy. Where does it happen at home? How does it happen at home? Don't even notice it, hardly. We were talking about this at the dinner table this afternoon. How does it happen? Oh, wives, are you critical of your husband? Where does that come from? Who's listening to that? Your children? They're not the only ones listening to that. Who else is listening to you? Your husband? Someone else is listening to you. God? And there's one other person that's listening to you. You. You are listening to yourself. And you're justifying yourself, and that's what's going on in your brain. I have the right to be critical of my husband, of my spouse, of my child. I have the right to be rebellious. I have the right to expect this, that, and the other thing. I have all these rights. That kind of thinking isn't just, it isn't lovely, it isn't pure. It's wrong. Where does it come from? It comes from our flesh. So yes, we have it. It's often through our speech, our attitudes. You're communicating something, and it can wear. We have all these influences coming in, and we don't notice. And then we wonder, way down the road, 30 years, why don't I have the peace of God in my life? Well, all you've heard is cursing and complaining and bragging and gossiping and rebellion and rebellion and more rebellion. Why are there a million women running on Washington that thinks that the president is going to assault all of them? Because what are they listening to? The media? What's the media telling them? Well, the media is going to tell them what they want. What they're going to think for them. The media said that. That's what our job is, to think for you. Why are, do we have interracial battles going on in our nation right now? It seems bizarre, doesn't it? A little, how do these develop when, I mean, you don't think a guy got elected twice to be president by just the black vote, do you? 
So what's the big deal? Obviously, there's not a lot of that going on. At least there wasn't eight years ago. How did it become the hot button issue in eight years? How, how does it? It's unnoticed. It's gradual. Discontentment, 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 discontentment. Complaint, complaint, cursing. I deserve even lying. Okay, now I'm going to throw out another one that we're going to talk about as one of the sources that you're not even paying attention to. Um, you haven't mentioned, even though I gave it to you, education, the educational system. What are they pumping down our throats? Do you know? What are they pumping? Okay, we can raise your kid. The parental role is minimized. Come on, what are they teaching? Except everyone, you don't know if you're a girl or a boy. You don't know whether you like girls or like boys. So we're going to help you explore that. We're going to help you understand every religion except Christianity, particularly Muslim. There is nothing such thing as truth. Everything is subjective. However you want to spell that word is fine with us as long as you try. And, by the way, you used to be a monkey. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Science is one of our biggest liars that has influenced the church, I think, in the last 40 years. Since at least the 50s. That would be 60 or 70 years. Science has convinced us of so many lies and it is so pervasive, it will shock you when I get to it. How much they have lied to us and how much it contradicts God's word. We know the evolutionary aspect of it, but if it started and stopped there, it didn't start there. It hasn't stopped there. There is so much more going on, and we are asleep. We don't even know it's happening. Science is another area that you're getting misinformation about God. That somehow you're a speck in a giant universe, and how, does anybody, how do any of you count for anything? And that you're just an animal that came out of another animal. God says something totally different about all of that. So we're being lied to on every front, filling our minds with the opposite of what the Bible tells us to meditate on. So you must take action to take what is unnoticed and notice it and remove it from your life. You've got to extract it. You've got to stop. He doesn't hear in Jude say, well, just try to discern it. Just try to weigh them out. It doesn't tell you that. He says, get them out of there. I love grumblers, complainers, lustful, swelling words. You got to get them out. You've got to purge this. And so here's Jude saying, I'd love to talk to you about this stuff, but as long as you got this stuff as the priority, of, as the main thing coming into your life, 
until you get this done, I can't help you with this. How much time do I have in your life? No. How much time do I have in your life? About 90 minutes. I preach about 45 minutes. This morning I went a little long, 50, 55. So you get less than two hours. That is one movie. One Hollywood movie. One Hollywood movie. How many movies do you watch in a week? Two or three a day? <laughs> Just during spring break. This is spring break, so all the kids are glued to their things, right? Because there's no school, so they're all just... All this coming in. That's one... That's the period of time of one movie. That's the extent of my influence of teaching in your life. How much time are you in God's word? How much time are you in prayer? Where are you getting your other information from? Because it sounds like you're at work an awful long. You're at school. What's your music you're listening to? People make fun of me because they get in my... <laughs> one of the workers down there his truck was blocked by mine. I said, well, just take my truck and go get your lunch. And he comes, he comes back from lunch. He's like, do you listen to that all the time? <laughs> it was the classical 95.5. <laughs> he was listening to Beethoven during his lunch. and probably put him into shock. You listen to that all the time? Um, never been exposed to it. If this is what's filling our mind, how are you going to do this? How are you going to and that's what Jude says. If you're not noticing that there's this garbage in your life, you can't add this. Why can't you add it? Israel tried to. Judah tried to. What did they try to do? We're going to serve God on this day, and we're going to serve the other gods on these days. And what did God do? Destroyed you. I don't tolerate that. He destroyed them for that. So you've got to get rid of this to make this work. And that's why Jude interrupts himself in verse 3. I wanted to talk about this good stuff, but you've got to get this stuff identified, first of all. Let me help you identify them. And he's going to use some really strong language to do that. But you've got to get this out. And all of this is related to the, having the peace of God in your life. You can't have it with these influences. They will rob you of it all the time. Any other comments? A day. Adrian. untruth, to point out that which isn't noble, that looks like it. And it's amazing to hear my adult children now watch the same movies and say, I can never, you know, and now they're understanding it themselves instead of me pointing it out. Oh, I never realized how, what a snob beauty is in Beauty and the Beast. Valerie never realized why I thought she was such a stuck-up. She walks through town and says, oh, a little town full of little people. Do you not get it? 
this woman thinks nothing of everyone else and everything of herself. That's what endeared her to my kids. Oh, she's pretty and she reads and she's smarter than everyone else and she knows it and sings about it. Do you not get what's going on there? What the subtle declarations are? You're better than everyone else. What does the Bible say? Esteem others better than yourself. Hollywood says no. Think of yourself better than everyone else. Yes. I don't want to know. Cooked. Yep, now we're cooked. We haven't noticed for 40 years, and now we're cooked. That's why I said we are losing and have largely lost this war as a community, as, as, the, as the big universal church. We've, but you can still fight the battles and you can still win this in your personal life and on a small level like a little church like this. But realize on a, on a larger scale, most of even your Christian friends are going to be engulfed in this. And this is the standards they are making their, putting their thinking about and how they're acting. This is why they act the way they do. This is why immorality and divorce is rampant in churches. Because this far outweighs what the Bible says they're supposed to be thinking about. Do you deserve a better spouse? No, you pick this one. You don't deserve a better one. My poor wife has been harassed all week because they can't make up a mind. You know, I've got all these people in my house and none of them will pick even a video to watch or anything. And so like, well, dad has to pick everything. And I was like, yeah, I had to tell her to marry me. So that's been a big thing, big joke in our house this week. Mom couldn't make up her mind. She's, anyway. Yes. Are you allowed in the public sphere, in the public venue, to speak truth? To speak things that are pure? Like that's right and that's wrong? To speak, to speak what is just? No. Because now it's a measured by everyone. Everyone's measured by themselves. They are the measure. And so how can you judge me? Well, the truth judges you. What is pure judges you. And I'm tired of people saying all love is good love. Well, no, that's not true. We're going to see that 
in the next couple of weeks, we speak about God, the love of God. Love does not mean that I accept everything. Because if that's the case, then no one goes to hell, but obviously a lot of people are. So what does love entail? So I tried to be really positive this morning in terms of what we need in our life, but I want you to recognize that really the, the force of Jude is you've got to get this out first. You've got to, first of all, notice it and recognize these people are trying to pollute my thinking. There's a stream of evil that is being pumped into you by the world continuously in almost every environment you're in. So when, the, when Jude says, watch out, be alert, stand your guard, put on the full armor of God, that you may, what, withstand the wiles, the fiery darts of the evil one. He is constantly trying to break you down, to destroy you, to convince you not to trust in God. And when he does that, no wonder you have no peace. No wonder you're never at peace. And so you've got to identify these, notice them, and stand. And just say, "Ah, that's not going to be in my life. I'm not going to let that come in as much as I have control. And sometimes that might cost you a job, that might cost you friends, that might cost you a grade, that might cost you a raise, might cost you family but it's too valuable not to have. And that's why Jesus says you can't have anything more precious to you than me and be worthy of me. You cannot have family, you cannot have things, you cannot, your citizenship is in heaven, you're a child of God that has to be the first priority in your life and nothing else matters. And Paul in Philippians says what in Philippians 3? Everything of this world I count as garbage compared to the knowledge of the Son of God. I count everything else as garbage that I may go pursue Jesus Christ. This is garbage. Notice it, recognize it, and extract it from your life so you can pursue the peace of God. Because God has already given it to you, you just haven't received it. <laughs> He's already provided. It's not God's fault you don't have peace with him. It's not God's fault you don't have his peace in you. It's because you are having garbage streaming in instead of this streaming in that we talked about this morning. Okay? Gone late. Let's have a word of prayer. Okay? And and, uh, then we'll break up into prayer groups. Lord God, we thank you for your love for us. Thank you again for this opportunity to gather your name and and for your word. And, And Lord... As those people back in that day had to be warned to what to look out for, we need to be warned as well. We thank you for just a time to consider our ways and recognize that these things that seem innocent, they're made to cartoons and pretty music and and seem to be beneficial, are really just Satan's ploy of introducing evil into our thought life and we are now at the point of reaping that harvest of sin in our society. And so, Lord, help us. We've, we're way downstream in this, and we want to uh, get out of it. Lord, help us. Do what is necessary in our homes, 
in our workplaces, in our lives, in our marriages, in our, in our church, to correct this. And Lord, we know that that means we need to change some things, some things that we're listening to and watching and reading, that we need to get those out of our life, that we might focus ourselves on you and you alone. That we might have your peace, as you've promised and is readily available, if we'll simply receive it and see it multiplied in us as we meditate upon you and do it. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.